0: Good to be here. I just thought before I start, Matt said, if you do miss the first half hour, um, it's not the end of the world. If there, I just want to acknowledge if there are any Pharisees in the room, um, I, I know what you feel like. It really does matter, and it is the end of the world. So I just wanted to just, if you, if you do feel like that, just acknowledge that you are here. It's good, good to have you here. Um, we're actually uh, doing a series in Romans. We started last week in uh, uh, just covering a whole chapter, chapter one, and we're on chapter two uh, this week. The interesting thing about chapter two, though, is that it's like like right in the middle of an argument that Paul is trying to make, and he's really going to hit the punchline uh, in chapter three. Uh, So we're sort of in limbo, and it's pretty hard for me not to step on the toes of whoever's preaching next week. Um, So... Next week, though, I think I think the real punchline, just so that I'm not stepping on their toes anymore, uh, is that um, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, so hopefully that I'll use that in my defence if they do get offended. Uh, but here I go. Uh, let's actually I sh- I should do a bit of a recap on the end of chapter one because Paul's continuing on from the end of chapter one. And what happens there is he's actually talking about the people that you and I would um, quite readily agree, I guess, are um, living recklessly, living for themselves, self-centered lives. And in in a way, as he's speaking, um, actually, let me read it, and then you'll get a sense of it. Uh, this is uh, chapter one, verses 29 to 31. This is what he says. They these people have become people who have traded the truth of God for a lie, have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, god-haters, insolent, arrogant and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil, they dishonor their parents. They are senseless, senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Paul's on a spiritual rampage and um, I, I think you all we all know people like this, don't we? Like full on just crazy. Um, and we it's very it's very easy, I think, to get caught up in in speech that goes like this. Do you know what I mean? It's them, it's they, those people, those people who who just how could they, they do the things they do? How do they believe the things they believe? How do they act like that? How is that possible? It's very easy to get caught up, especially in our world where, where rhetoric is very high on these sort of things, to so get caught up in that in that talk. And in a way, Paul's almost purposefully drawing his audience in to agree with him and go, yeah, we hate those people. Um, they're, they're, they're the scum of the earth. They're just, just living for themselves. Um, and, but, but the interesting thing is that he just does this incredible transition. Like it's not even like, it's not subtle at all. Um, And if we remember, there are no real chapter distinctions in in the original letter. This is a letter that Paul's writing. And so he's literally going from saying, these people, um, look at how they live. How how can they, look how they're actually just storing up wrath for themselves uh, in the things that they're doing. So with that context, let's continue reading. So he's talking about them, they, those people. All of a sudden he goes, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that it's God's kindness that leads you towards repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it's not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when the Gentiles... Who do not have the law, do by nature things required by the law. They are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. Since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences also bearing witness. And their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets. Through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Big, big indictment there on um, the the audience, the the, the Jews who um, who have have even become Christians, who have started to follow um, Jesus, because he's he's writing a letter to the Christians in Rome, and he's quickly flipped from from gaining support at condemning those people who are doing uh, all of those terrible things to, and you're no different because you stand in judgment. Condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. And we get a sense of what he's saying there. Jesus uh, really opens the playing field. Uh, we look at the outward appearance. Jesus says, if you murder, um, I, I tell you the truth, even if you look at someone in anger, even if you hold anger in your heart against someone, you have committed murder. And so it really opens up this playing field. So all of them are actually um, just as bad as the next person is, is what Paul is saying. You, you who pass judgment, you do the same things. I want to actually split this up into four types of people. You've heard that there are nine. I know Um, we're going to go with four, a bit simpler. Um, There... The first is the one we covered first in chapter one, the, the, those people, you know what I mean? Those people who are just living life for themselves, uh, reckless, abandoned, devil may cry attitude, uh, uh, whatever will get them pleasure uh, in the moment, uh, that's what they're doing. They're just putting themselves in those places. They're not really caring about tomorrow. They're getting as much as they can out of, uh, uh, out of the world uh, in the moment, today. We can think of an example of that as um, the prodigal son mentioned, mentioned, that Jesus mentions in a parable, a son who uh, takes his father's inheritance and uh, says, give me my inheritance now. Uh, I, I, I wanna use it for my, my own purposes. So he takes the inheritance, he leaves home, and he lives life the way that he wants to. Uh, it says that he, he, he spends his life and his money on reckless living and uh, prostitutes, and just, just completely throwing away uh, his life and his father's inheritance. That's one type, just completely reckless. No rules, rebellious, no responsibilities, uh, just whatever's good in the moment. The second type uh, has a parallel in the same parable. There's, a, there's an older brother of this prodigal son, and this older brother, he's, in one sense, much too smart. He sees uh, that to live your life like that will end up in disaster. You might have uh, fun today, but tomorrow will be painful. Uh, or at some point in the near future, things are gonna catch up with you and you're gonna be left with nothing. They, 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 they're smart enough to see that. And so they're, they're much better at... Um, understanding the, the rules of play, I guess, of life. They, they're, ve- they're well aware of the rules uh, that will work out well for them. They understand uh, the law of God. They understand the things that will be to their benefit. And they follow them because uh, they have a real sense that as I follow this, as I work in doing these things, I am earning a reward uh, which will be for my benefit, and so it 's really that idea of um, we know this well it 's like delayed gratification they 're not, they're not stupid enough to just throw themselves into into things in the moment they actually say hey look there 's value in me just waiting and and working, chipping away at something, and then in the end um, i 'll get my reward for my for my sacrifice for my labor. Paul is actually a person who knows this. This theme very well. He, he would consider himself to, be, uh, to have been one of those Pharisees, someone who was very um, um, uh, zealous for keeping the law and enforcing that law uh, on others, looking at those who are outside and condemning them. In fact, that's what he did. He went around condemning Christians uh, who did not follow the law as he knew it. Uh, so on the one hand, Paul's very direct here, but, but it's because he knows. He knows what he's talking about. He knows the very heart, the very spirit that's behind uh, this type. I do need to mention, though, that the the spirit behind this um, this Pharisee type is is a is is a real shifty sort of spirit. It's 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 very adaptable, and so I I, I want to even start by saying. We've become very accustomed to looking at the Pharisees and, and seeing their hypocrisy and going, wow, like, they're, they're, they're condemning other people, but their hearts are so messed up. Like, like, how terrible are they? Those Pharisees, those people. But in fact, if Paul were here talking to us now, the same spirit he would be speaking in would say... We, he would get us all riled up and go, yeah, those, those Pharisees, do you know what I mean? They're, so, they're such hypocrites. They don't know what they're talking about. And then he would, he would literally just say, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. And then we'd be in a predicament. So just beware that this Pharisee, it, it, it knows the rules, do you know what I mean? If, if, if the rules are in our day and age to be humble, it's gonna find ways of following the rules to get what it wants, right? Paul says of these first two types, they're storing up wrath. He said, living your life fully for yourself, just doing whatever you want, um, not abiding by any rules, um, uh, that stores up wrath. And we see that, We, we see a clear picture of that in the story of the prodigal son. The day of reckoning comes, the famine comes, everything is stripped away, the money is gone, the friends are gone, and all of that time, all of that expense that was given to constructing a life, to holding a life to oneself, in an instant appears to be nothing, is gone. The day of reckoning, judgment, it's really just the truth coming to bear on the whole situation. The fact that all that was stored up was nothing. And it's not only the one who lives recklessly like that, who experiences that storing up of wrath and that day of judgment, but it's also the one who seeks to um, self-righteously justify themselves by following rules, by finding the right method of doing things, by looking at the outward appearance so that they can do the things which will benefit themselves, maybe not today, but in the future. The work that they're doing, the sacrifice that they're putting in now is gonna, is gonna put them in good stead for the future. We know, we know this sort of theme in our own hearts. The prophets actually speak Um, very directly um, on on this sort of line on this thinking that that through through our work um, through our sacrifice we gain something for ourselves Uh, one of the prophets in fact talks about um, um, this this way of living as, as a pregnancy in fact it's it's like yes um, okay, you're going through pregnancy, it, it, you know, you go through all the pain, the morning sickness, the, the inconvenience, but you know, all of this that I'm sacrificing, all that, that are, this that I'm giving up, it's, it's all for a purpose, I'm going to receive a reward at the end of this, do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm going I'm to receive, receive a child, and, and, and one of the prophets talks about this whole nine months being gone through, right, all the pain, all the sacrifice, And then in the labor, going through all the labor pains, surely, surely something worthwhile. I get get something worthwhile for going through this. And in the end, all that comes out is air. It's a pretty pretty full-on picture that the prophets give. That's the sense of storing up wrath. Everything that you think that you're getting for yourself, when finally things are revealed in in the last analysis, everything has been a waste. Everything has been nothing. Nothing has been gained. Paul, in fact, knows that day of reckoning, that day of judgment. On his way to Damascus, as he's persecuting Christians, uh, Christ is revealed to him in all his glory, and everything that Paul stood for, everything that he had done, everything that he had learned, everything he had made for himself, in an instant becomes nothing. And in fact, he says everything he counts but loss. It's all filthy rags, he says, everything that he ever had. They're the two types. There's another two types who, who are very similar. The only difference between them is, is their, their knowledge of, of the law, their knowledge of um, um, God, their experience with God. The first is the, um, we'll call them the god the fear. Someone who, who Paul says here, um, even though they don't have the law, even though they, they may not have um, a, a right understanding of who God is, there's a sense within their own hearts that they know what is good and what is right and and they humbly seek to follow that. They, they, they're not against that. Um, they, they're, just, they're just seeking for, for what is good and what is right. We, we know people like this. They, they, they can be found in any religion. They can be found in any walk of life. It's people who, who may not know all the right things but, but they have a desire for truth. They, they, they want to know and do what is right. Uh, they know their own inadequacy. They're not judgmental. They're not looking at the next person and going, uh, you know, look at them, how they don't because because they, they have a sense of their own emptiness and own inadequacy themselves. People like the centurion who comes to Jesus is a Gentile. He 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 doesn't he doesn't worship the God of the Jews, and yet um, uh, there's a humility there and there's a desire to do what is right. Cornelius is another one who uh, is a Gentile and uh, doesn't doesn't fully understand who God is, but but, but is is praying to a God that he doesn't necessarily know. Uh, He's he's giving to the poor. He's not trying to store anything up for himself, but but there's just this sense that this this is what's good and what's right, and I I long to be right. I, I, I wish things were right. And so as they, as they have the opportunity, they, they find themselves doing, doing that. But they're never, they're never comparing themselves um, to anyone else. The other is, um, let's call them, so this is the last one, the fourth one, let's say the humbly uh, religious. Now, I know there's bad connotations to when we say religious, but, but I want you to take it in, in not necessarily a bad way. Someone who has... Um, who has the knowledge of God, either through the history and through scripture, and actually believes that, that this is who God is and this is his character, that he's good, that he's a God who's saved, perhaps has even had, had a personal experience, an encounter somehow with God and his saving purposes. These people are very similar, humble, non, non-judgmental, very moral, Comparatively, I guess, relatively. They seek to do good. They don't, they don't claim anything for themselves. They live in hope, perhaps, even of a saviour that, that will come and make things right. People like this, um, perhaps you could, you could think of um, uh, Nicodemus coming to Jesus, and, and even though all the Pharisees are condemning Jesus, he's going, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think what we're saying, what you guys are saying is right. And and though he's fearful and doesn't know exactly how to go about it, he, he wants to know. He wants to know the truth. There's a humility there. Um, even the disciples, Jesus Jesus um, dies and and resurrects and is meeting with the disciples, and and they're so humbled that they were trying to jostle for position before, but now they're just so humbled by the reality of who God is that they're experiencing Him. They're encountering Him. And it's giving them a humility, but, but they still, um, in, in, this, in this 40 days that Jesus is meeting with them, and then even um, 10 days after he, he ascends, they still don't fully, they don't really know what's going on. They're, they're humble, but at the same time, they're in many ways confused and, 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 and still waiting for something to happen. This is like the prodigal son, I guess, on his way home. There's a humility there, um, there there's, there's a lowliness, there's a desire for things to be right, but um, it, it's, sort of, it's sort of in limbo, it's still an expectation. It hasn't arrived. There, there's a reverence, but, 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 they, but there's a sense of being separate from God still. He he's he's holy. He's completely apart from us, and 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 I'm here, and, and I'm reverent, and I'm humble. But but he's there, and I'm here. But even in that, uh, in that in that lowliness, particularly in that loneliness, in that sense of emptiness, Paul says, "For those, for these two types, that is good and proper that they should continue in this way." and eternal life will be given for those who persevere in that. That said, it is very interesting where Paul's argument is going with all of this, because you could, you could split these, these, these four into two categories, I guess. You could say, here are the people who are just really just self-serving, and then here, here are these other people who, who, are, who are humbly trying to do what's right. Even though they know they don't, that they're empty, they, they're, they're, they're trying to do what's right. But Paul, where he's going, is actually seeking to categorize all four of these under one heading, to sum them all up under one thing. They're all in the same boat, effectively. For some reason, this is Paul, Paul's argument, he says they're bound up in, in the same thing. They're, they're, they're actually summed up in disobedience. And this may sound really harsh to, to put, to put those, those two separate categories in the same box. Especially if, if we think of the contrast. Think, think of the, 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 the life that's lived, you know, of those people living recklessly, of the hypocrisy. And then think of the humility and, and just the, the, the non-judgmental nature of, of these people going through life. The interesting thing is that for, those, for that third and fourth type, for that humble type, to sum them to sum them all up with the others in disobedience or to sum them all up in, in, a, in a blindness, they wouldn't, they wouldn't consider that harsh. That's the fascinating thing. They would, they would, they would agree. They would go, yeah, we're we we're, we're just as lacking in something as, as they are. Yeah, we're not we're not throwing our lives away in in, in that in that outward appearance. But but we, 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 we're not grasping, in the same way that they're not grasping life to the full, we're not either. They know it better than anyone that they're nothing on their own. For the, for the type twos, for, for, the, for the ones who are seeking to justify themselves, Uh, this message is very, very harsh because their very nature, the very spirit that they have is seeking to justify themselves and convince themselves that they are the humble type. And, And by being the humble type, they are separate from those hypocrites. They are separate from those people who live life the way that they want to live. And so for them... When they get lumped in in into one box they 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 take offense they take offense to that. I want to maybe do run through an illustration that that may give a bit of insight into how how these four types can be um, in the same boat in in the same category when you think maybe of your own your own house, even just your living room maybe. Think of um, four blind people in the room, right? And each one is one of these categories. Each one has one of these, these types of people. So if you think of the first, the one who's just um, doesn't care about any of the rules, doesn't care about ha, ha, the way that Paul says it, they've exchanged the truth for a lie and so they think that, uh, whatever they do is good and, and, and right. Think of them, they're, they're not worried about the, the externals, they're not worried about um, how things play out and, and, and so they're blind, right? But, but they're just throwing themselves into the room. They're like, they're, they're just living for the moment, they're not thinking about the pain that could be inflicted, they're, they're bumping into things. things, things are getting thrown around. Um, uh, th- there's no sense of rule or order, they're just, they're just doing whatever comes to mind and, and it's and it's causing it's causing a mess. Think of the second the second type, the smart, the smart type, the one the one who see who sees that or hears it, because they're obviously not seeing. Um, but they, they, they get a sense of that and they go, of, of course, like, that's, that's not the right way to live. That's only just going to end up in hurt. And so they systematically go through categorizing everything, categorizing the distance between things. They, they, they figured everything out in their own heads how to walk around in the house. In fact, if you were to look at them and they were the only person in the room, you might be fooled into thinking that they weren't blind because they just find their way around and they do things as if... As if They knew where everything was. The only problem they have is when they're in the room with these reckless types or any other person who moves, do you know what I mean, and doesn't stay where it should stay, doesn't follow the rules, then all of a sudden they they find themselves in a bit of a pickle. They find themselves frustrated. Things aren't where they're meant to be. They they they're they're, they're bumping into things where they shouldn't bump into things. They in their own minds have everything figured out. In fact, they they, they've got it so figured out that that they've forgotten that they're even blind. They they think that this is the way life is, and they know it. They 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 know how life works. They're self-sufficient. So there's no sense of even looking for help or needing help. All that's needed is to teach those reckless people the rules so that they can just follow the rules and then things will be, things will be great. If everyone could just follow the rules, everything would be good. And so if they're not gonna follow the rules, then let's tie them down, let's get them out, let's imprison them, let's, let's relegate them to hell, let's just get them out of here so we can just have peace. And so they live in a, in a frustration, in a hypocrisy, in a, in, a, in a condemnation of those who are blind when they themselves are blind as well. In and amidst in, in of all of this, there's the third and the fourth person, they're there as well in the room, and they're humbly just doing the best that they can. Um, they're also find, you know tr- trying to find out how to, how to make their way through life, how to do things, but at no point are they thinking i'm not blind they're actually hoping for sight they're hoping for a way of living that they'll actually be able to see and do life to the full to enter into the fullness of life any help that was that is given to them they would receive with gladness a friend a walking stick, a guide dog. But even in that, not for a second, even with the help, do they think, wow, that's great, I can, I, I'll just, I'll just, um, I can do life on my own now. There's still a desire for things to be right. The first two, they deny that they are blind, they're not even thinking of the fact that they are blind. But the second two, they know they're blind. The interesting thing, though, this is is what I'm trying to get at. This is what Paul is getting at. Whether you recognize it or not, they're all blind, right? There's, there's, There's a category that sums all of them up, all four of them. So what are we actually talking about here? I mean, in terms of blindness, what do we what is it what does this mean in terms of our everyday lives? What 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 is Paul getting at here? What's the correlation of this blindness in this hypothetical situation to our actual lives? Have to do a bit of background into understanding um, the 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 way that things are actually ordered by God in this world and in Hebrews 11:3 says this by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of so what is seen was not made out of what was visible so the things that are seen come from God who is invisible the things that are seen come from the invisible and the invisible is what is substantial is fundamental is the source is the is the actual reality of things all the things that are seen have come from God who is invisible And in fact, all the things that are seen in our material world are there for us to see through them to the supreme reality that is unseen. To see the unseen, the substantial reality of God, who is life. And so Paul in Romans 1, in fact, is talking about how rather than using our sight This is what Paul says is they've traded the truth of God for a lie. Instead of seeing the world, seeing the things, the appearance of things, as an avenue to see God, we've taken them as a reality in themselves. We fixed our eyes on the things that are seen, seeing this material world as the ultimate reality. And in doing that, in that trade, we've actually become blind. This is is the picture, that, that we're blind. Those seeing, we have become blind. So now, even when we see, even though I see you, even though you see me, even though we live in this world and we interact with this world and in the material things of this world, even though we see all these things, it's a false sight. We're not truly seeing because we can't see God anymore. We choose to become judges of good and evil in the material world, judges by appearances, rather than having a clear vision which was intended and in seeing through. To the reality of God, we've actually filled ourselves up to the brim with a knowledge of good and evil, a, a, a categorization even. We're, we're so wise in the things of this world, we we know so much about how this world works in the appearance, in the material reality of it, about how relationships work, about how coming to God even works in the material, about what we should do and what we shouldn't do. But we're running around blind in a world. We're categorizing things, but it's not giving us sight. We're figuring out how to to live in a world, but that doesn't make us see. It's not giving us life. But perhaps we've gotten so good with the rules, with figuring out the, the right things that, that give us a good sense of life. You know, good, good rules, they're not bad rules. But we've learned how to have life on our own terms. And yet even then, every now we get jolted and bumped by things that we, we don't see that are unexpected And then our first reaction is to go, the issue is not with me. The issue is because this happened or because these people are like this. The reason why I'm fearful is because there's these type of people in the world. The reason why I can't do this is because, because of these particular things, whatever it is. We never realize that the issue is that we are blind that the issue is with us. We're only judging by appearances. And so Paul says we are all summed up in blindness. This is what he says in Romans eleven thirty two. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all here's another incredible turn that we would be summed up in blindness, right? It's, it's not the most uplifting message, is it? I'm sorry, I'm, 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 I'm bound here uh, by, by, the, by the content. <laughs> it's not the most uplifting message and yet somehow in binding us up in that, he's done it, God has done it so that we may have so that he may have mercy on all of us. A key to understanding this is found in um, John nine forty one. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, to those who have figured out things for themselves, and though they're blind, they cannot see. This is what he says. If you were blind... This is an incredible statement. If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Your, your inability to access life remains. If you continue recklessly living in the room in the dark, um, thinking that, that, that you know how things work, trying to figure it all out, feeling like you've got the system down pat. If you don't recognize that you're blind, then, then, then there's no access to life. You're not, you're not even thinking along those lines. There's not even a desire outside of yourself. Jesus, as he walked this earth, walked with perfect vision. He was not blind. In everything, in every appearance, in every circumstance, he saw through to his father. Didn't matter what it looked like to others, he always saw reality as it was. In fact, he he didn't need rules or boundaries. Not because rules or boundaries aren't good, but because he could see. He didn't need a system to try and prevent him from bumping into things for things not to, to, to keep things on track. And yet, even Jesus claimed that of himself he could do nothing. There's an incredible truth here that the very good news hinges upon and it's it's our recognition Of blindness, but but realizing that when we come to that recognition, which is repentance, right? God has been patient, God has been kind in allowing all of this to continue, so He can sum us all up in the one thing that will be the gateway, the, the opening to our understanding, the gateway, the opening to our receiving life. Paul, on the other side, as he, as he receives his sight, can say this in 2, in 2 Corinthians 4.18, he says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul is fixing his eyes on something that is unseen, the precursor, the forerunner to the good news, the making of the path straight for us to receive the good news is that we should all be summed up in blindness so that we would know that we are blind. But that's, that's not the good news. To, to come to that recognition and to, and to know that you are blind is not the good news. For to know that, you, 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 would, you would continue to live your life in darkness. Yes, hu- humble and reverent, and yet God would still be distant. You would still be in the dark. Even though you could perhaps even affirm that he was good and that he cares for you, there would still be a sense of separation. Separation. To know that you're blind, as true as it is, doesn't make you see. But it does open you up to receiving sight, to receiving the good news. The good news, in fact, as Jesus even states it, is to give sight to the blind. The kindness. And the patience of God, which leads us to repentance, leads us on to the receiving of life, the life of God, which is our sight. If we can see, it's not because we have our own power of sight, it's because we are blind and he is our sight. Jesus can say of myself, I can do nothing. And yet his life, the abundance is his father. He can say the two things at the same time. He can do incredible things, incredible miracles. He can live this life Fully with with full vision, and yet he would say, without the Father, I'm blind. But he's not, he sees. But not because he has power in himself, but because he knows the very giver of life, his Father, is his sight. if we see, it's not because we have our own sight. It's because the one who is sight is our sight and we see through him, through all things, to him. When we know the reality of his sight, his strength, in our blindness, in our weakness, then we will judge rightly as God judges because it will be him judging in us, his spirit in us. It's a beautiful thing actually that, just to conclude, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 6-12, to talking about this, 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 this message that, that, that seems like foolishness. How can all the things that we see not be the reality? How can we be blind when we're, when, we're, when we're actually seeing? This is what he says. Paul says, we speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, no. We speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's a beautiful statement even there in itself. There's no no judgment even to the people who who have crucified the Lord. Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They're blind, right? They're ignorant. They couldn't see or else they wouldn't have done it. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to to any man's judgment for who has known the mind of the lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of christ do you see the proximity there do you see the fact that though paul is empty he is full in fact because he is empty he is full because he is weak he is strong because he is dead he is the life of christ because his mind is not reigning in his body he has the mind of christ there's a there's a reality there that that has never left is right there as a given in fact the father in the parable of the prodigal son says this to the older to the older brother as he looks on at the at the younger son who's come back and and who is experiencing the joy and life that there is in the Father's house, he looks on and is beside himself, is frustrated, is jealous. These are the words of the Father to his son. My son, you are always with me, always. And everything I have is yours. if he acknowledged that he had nothing, he would know in the very same instant that he had everything because all that his father had was his. This is the truth for us. And so, the word for us tonight is to not judge by mere appearances. To realize that in this world, in this life, there is a reality that is eternal life. That is the very life of God. Not as something distant, but, but here present, ready to actually be lived, to be your life. Every moment, every day as a given. But only as you know in every moment as a given that you are empty, every moment as a given that you are blind, that he is your fullness and he is your sight. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are, even though you dwell in unapproachable light, even though you are unseen, you have revealed yourself to us. And that revelation to us shows us that we're empty, that we're nothing of ourselves, that we're completely bankrupt, that that we're blind, but not for the sake of condemning us, for the sake of bringing us not only to the realization but the experienced reality of all of the life that you have for us, which is yourself, all of the sight, all of the heart. No longer to live life by appearances, no longer to be living only in the humility of knowing our inadequacy, Seeking to follow you only in our inadequacy, but having the other side fully given in the very recognition of our nothingness, knowing your all, experiencing your all, living in the conscious reality of your life, your life in us, your life as us in this world, light in this world. There are truths there that no words are going to touch. And yet this is the very thing you call us to. And so we acknowledge our emptiness, our blindness. We do not judge we do not compare ourselves to others. In fact, we see our sameness. We see our equality. We're all blind. We're all empty. And we were always meant to be that. Because to be that is the very thing that's necessary to be filled by you and to know life to the full. Thank you. Jesus name let's stand together and, and as Matt said there earlier rest we're not, we're not trying to work, you're not trying to convince yourself of anything it's just knowing just entering into that knowledge, entering into that rest, that he is he stands, he is unseen behind all things, before you can see anything he is And so just rest in that reality and receive all of who he is as a free gift. Let's do that. Scripture says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God, they will be filled. So, just my encouragement to you tonight uh, if you're hungering after God, you will find Him. Uh, So, keep hungering, keep moving. Let that hunger move you. We all know what it means to be hungry, it moves us towards the source. Let the hunger move you towards God, wherever you are on the journey tonight. Everything I have is yours, says the Father to each one of us. If we will come. And hunger and then receive. God bless you. Been wonderful to have you with us tonight. Uh, There's a meal in the courtyard afterwards, and uh, we'll see you again this time next week.